When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown, Thacker and Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino. We discuss where Dylan Gabriel ranks among quarterbacks in the country, and we talk some Big 12 win totals in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss the future scheduling model of the SEC and the possibility of the SEC doing its own playoff. And we finish with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, May 25th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And the Beats and Bites Festival is kicking off, people. Night Ranger and Starship will be performing May 28th, only a couple days away. It is a $5 general admission to get in, and kids under 12 get in free. There will be a ton of food trucks and there will be all kinds of things for the kiddos to do, including face painting and an inflatable obstacle course. To buy tickets, visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast during football season, we are finalizing those right now. So please email the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, normally we keep it very light on this podcast, but man, all those kids in Texas. Yeah. I, yeah, it's 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 brutal. Brutal, man. You don't even know what to say about it. Having a, a kid in elementary school. I can only imagine the the terror of getting that phone call that that is going on and not knowing as you're driving there. It's just it's horrible horrible to even think about. Yeah, and I am uh, I'm not a politician. I 
don't really have the passion for politics that a lot of people do, but you know, I've got an 11 month old son and I would like to think that, you know, here in a couple of years when I send him off to school that I could feel like leaders in this country on both sides are doing as much as they can to keep him safe. When I send him to school, I don't know what it looks like, man, but I don't know. That's just, that's my hope that I feel that in the future, when I'm sending him to school, I, I feel a little better about it than I would if I had to do it today. Well, there's no doubt. I'll say this though. I, I don't know that there's, I, the politicians aren't gonna, aren't gonna save this situation. It's all got to start with better home life, better parenting, better. I, it, it, it just, it can't come to this. You know what I'm saying? It's yes. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. Horrible. It's, I, it, it's everything. So there, there are going to be a lot of people going at it over this horrible situation. And yeah, you know, we, we tend to stay away from that stuff, but just thought we should, uh, we should bring it up because a bunch of little kids died and it's, it's tragic. And we'll, we'll see, we'll see if anything changes. I, I, I don't have the answers, man. I'm not smart enough to try to solve those problems, but We'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Okay, easy transition, right? A programming note for the podcast. There, there's a lot of traveling coming up for both of us. <laughs> However, we, we have a plan to where we are, we are not going to miss an episode. We're pre-recording some Q&A stuff. We're pre-recording something with Creed Humphrey. But just a warning, and we're... The one thing we're going to do, we're going to hold off on recording with our man, Chris Plank, because we want to do a women's college world series preview with him and don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with that right. one, even though we are very confident in Patty Gasso's squad. So a lot going on, but Hey, we, we can't be missing episodes, man. We just can't do it. We got to give everyone their fix, right? We've got everyone addicted. We're addicted ourselves. So we got to keep pumping out the content, baby. Yeah. So we're going to do that. All right. Let's talk some OU football. And we're to start here, Ted 24 7 Sports. Brad Crawford put out a list of the best 20 quarterbacks in college football in 2022. Number one, Bryce Young. Hard to argue with. Guy just won the Heisman. And he plays at Bama. Pretty, pretty good mix there. Number two, C.J. Stroud. Hard to argue with. Guy is very talented. Plays at Ohio State. Hell of a season last year. Heisman finalist. Number three, Caleb Williams. Guy that we are all very familiar with. Number four, Dylan Gabriel. DG checking in at number four on Brad Crawford's best 20 quarterbacks in 2022 list. I'll finish out the top ten. Uh, KJ Jefferson at Arkansas at five, Hendon Hooker at six, Grayson McCall, the fancy chickens QB at seven, Spencer Rattler at eight, Devin Leary at nine, and Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami QB, checking in at 10. What's what's the initial reaction? Um, I think that as good as Bryce Young is, I may switch him and C.J. Stroud. Um, I think C.J. Stroud is he's, – he's, his numbers from last year were insane. Um, 
you know, he started off a little rough. It wasn't that bad, but it was a little rough. And just from that point on was on an absolute mission. Um, Caleb Williams. I think, I think Caleb Williams is too high, but you know, because of some of his tools, his ceiling may be higher than anyone on the list, but from what we've seen so far, I think maybe a little bit too high. Um, Dylan Gabriel at four. Now, numbers wise, like whenever we're talking about it at the end of the season, I think he'll probably be there and he may be even higher than there. But if we're talking about like straight up, everything equal, everyone, you know, you put all of these guys behind the same offensive line with the same skill guys. Is he the fourth best? I don't know. I think that's probably a little high. But whenever you take in his situation, what he means to his team, I think that he's probably in about the right range. KJ Jefferson, I'm a little undecided on. I feel like that was that was the most surprising one to me. I, I yeah. feel like and, and he had a big year at Arkansas. His numbers were really year. good. Yeah. Numbers were good, and he is a big athletic dude, adds a lot in the run game. There's no doubt about it. You look at what he's doing in Bryles' offense there at Arkansas, like he he's a really good player, but there's also there's also points in time last season where people are like, KJ Jefferson can't throw. Right. And now he does throw a really good deep ball. I'll give him that. But his accuracy, like he's got the size, the physical presence, but he he's not even close to as accurate as I want my quarterback to be. I mean, top five in college football, I feel like feel like that's a bit of a stretch yeah accuracy is something that Mike Leach has a great quote on it I I can't even begin to start on it it's like a three minute long speech on it it has something to do with if a kid can throw a rock and hit a stop sign uh (laughs) but it's it's not something that typically you may be able to improve it a little bit but it's one of those things that you either have or you don't have um so you, you know who has ruined that? Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills. That's like, a good point. He yeah. no, 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 no. I I'm not making trying to make the point you think I'm trying to make. He's like the one guy that for whatever reason has been able to get way more accurate as an NFL quarterback. Yeah. And it's a credit to him. But now everyone brings it up. Well, oh, Josh Allen did it. Anyone could no 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 no. That that is not normal. So that's why. When it comes to accuracy, I I still believe what you believe, and that is like, hey, you're either you're either accurate or you're not. Don't let the one superhuman Josh Allen, right, right. the six six, just absolute stud, be the guy that makes like, no, 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 it's changed, it's different now. No, 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 no. You're you're a lot of his may have not. to do with the guys that was he at Wyoming. The yeah. guys at Wyoming may not have been able to pull in those ninety mile an hour fastballs like the guys in the NFL can. Um, but uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, Hendon Hooker was the least talked about quarterback with what he pulled off last year. Fantastic numbers. He's like a 72% completion guy was like, I don't know, 34, 35 touchdowns to three interceptions adds quite a bit in the running game. Um, he's going to have a big year and a lot of people are going to come real familiar with him. Grayson McCall. Spencer Rattler, kind of the rest of the guys on this list. It's going to be hard, I think, to really make a bunch of waves 
compared to the other well-known guys at the big schools, but uh, obviously all these guys, really good quarterbacks. And I think Spencer Rattler, he may be one of the more accurate guys on the entire list. Uh, He's got great throwing capabilities, little less in the, in the athletic department as a dual threat guy, but great arm talent. Yeah. And I, I think we're all so interested to see how it goes for Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. I know I am, and we're all rooting for the guy, but going to be a, the system, you know, after, after talking to Shane Beamer a while back, like the, the system, it's a little more pro style, a little different than what he was running at OU under Lincoln Riley. So I am, I'm very interested to see how it goes for Rattler. And then one of my other thoughts was (laughs) how many people know that Devin Leary plays at NC state? Not a lot. The diehards, right? The diehard, like if you're really into college football, like we are, I'm like, Oh, Devin Leary. Yeah. That's a, I was like, that's a, that's almost a, uh, you know, like when the, it it is a, it's an indie music selection there. It's like, Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. NC state and wake forest. Whenever you scroll through the top 25, it's like, wait, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Sam, Sam Hartman there. I think he was at like 11 on this list, but my, my reaction when I look at it, and I, I, I do think when you look at it and you're like, Dylan Gabriel, top five quarterback in all of college football, I mean, okay. Because now I think it is different thinking, it about, thinking about it as, you know, how is this guy going to be in college versus how is he going to be in the NFL, right? I, I am, I'm looking at this list going, okay, what just college performance? And I think the argument can be made that, when you look at this top 10 list, Dylan Gabriel is the most important player to his team in all of college football. And not necessarily a great spot to be in, but we've talked a whole lot about OU's backup quarterback situation, right? And, and I know that they brought in two transfers and Bevel and Booty, but still, it, it feels like the gap between Dylan Gabriel and whoever is going to be QB two is going to be pretty significant. That's, that's not the case for Bryce young and CJ Stroud, right? They, they have guys in that system. Now do Saban and Ryan day have the backups they want? I, I don't know. You'd have to ask them, but I bet they feel pretty good about that situation. Uh, Caleb Williams there at three. I thought he was in a quarterback battle. I thought what we'll see if he wins the job. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, he's, he's got all the talent in the world. There's no doubt about it. And if he plays up to that talent, he's, he's a special player. But when you look at Dylan Gabriel, man, it, it does feel like he may be the most important player to his team in all of college football. And that's a lot of pressure, but good thing for him. He's, he's going to put up big numbers. In Jeff Levy's system, I mean, just he just is, and that I don't think it's a coincidence. You look at this list: number four, number five, number six. They all run a very similar style of offense, yep. right? With you know, kind of those Bryles principles, with what OU is going to be doing, what Arkansas does, and, and what Tennessee does under hype. So, I I look at Dylan Gabriel's situation. He's got a lot of weapons around him, and then we'll see what the running game looks like. I think a lot of people forget how important 
a good running game is for for a quarterback's performance. And we're hopeful that OU's offensive line is going to be improved. We were excited about Eric Gray, Marcus Major, Javante Barnes, maybe Sawchuck. We'll see how he factors in. But yeah, man, DG's going to have a lot on his shoulders. There's no doubt. And He's, he's either going to earn this ranking or people are going to look at this list after the season and be like, ooh, ooh. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I saw this and I was like, all right, at least people recognize how, uh, how productive he's going to be. But also, I think this is a good reflection of how important he's going to be to this football team. Yeah, I feel, I feel pretty solid that he'll be, he'll be in that range. Uh, you know, there's probably going to be someone emerge that that maybe we didn't think about. Maybe the kid at Baylor. Um, but tell me what you think. We don't have to spend much time on this. But I feel like Dylan Gabriel is going to have a better offensive line than we had last year. A better wide receiver core than we had last year. A better tight end group. And a better, I don't, I don't want to minimize Kennedy Brooks. I'll say a better running game than I will a better running back group. I feel like all of the things that you need offensively, he's going to have a better situation than what we, what we had last year. I, I believe that as well, right? And there's a lot that goes into it. And this is, uh, this is stuff we've talked a lot about in the offseason, but I think first and foremost, it starts with Jerry Schmidt. Mm -hmm. That and the toughness that that man instills, not only in the offensive line and defensive line, but in all of the guys, right? I, I think these guys are going to be a little more hardened. Yes. Calloused. Yep. Which is, you know. Scarred. <laughs> offense always starts with the run game. And. That right there is exactly how you create a, a brutal, physical, punishing run game that wears your opponent down. Yeah, when it's play 75 of the game and you're on this seventh play of the drive and the defensive line is over there looking like it's going to die and the offensive line is comfortable. That's, that's the Jerry Schmidt effect, right? And, and that is, you know, I talk about, body blows early in the football game all the time. And that sets you up to, you know, throw some haymakers in the running game in the third and fourth quarter. That's that all falls in line with that. But I also, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny that. Like I, I have my bias when it comes to what I believe in, in when it comes to running the football, I'm a zone scheme guy. I'm a zone team guy. So when you ask me, is the running game going to be better? I say, I sure hope so, because Levy runs a whole lot more zone. Like, they're going to run zone 30 times in a game, as opposed to a, a counter concept, you know, 25, 30 times in a game. And I just, at my core, believe that that is a better approach in the running game. So we'll see, right? We'll see what the numbers are. We'll see how the offensive line plays, but yeah, I would. I think that Dylan Gabriel is walking into a really good situation. Also, you got to factor in like this team. It's it's not going to have the pressure that it had 
walking into the season last year. Right? I mean, you look at people were picking them to win the national title heading yeah. into last season, and you don't have that. I think that that is, you know, that that matters. But yeah, I with between Schmidt and BV and the mentality change, I would be, I'd be really surprised if if things aren't things aren't better just all around. Like, I, I'm not sure they have as good of players as they did last year. Right? You lose all those guys on defense, but. I expect them to be a better team. Yeah. Look at the, I just pulled up last year's college football rushing numbers. And it's interesting. You were just talking about Tennessee, Arkansas, and Oklahoma all having similar systems. Arkansas was the number seven rushing team in the country, 227 yards a game. Tennessee was number 11, 217. Ole Miss was number 12, 216. No, both of them 217. So all of them 217 and above with that system. And Oklahoma last year all the way back at 187 yards a game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so I know a lot of people hear, you know, the Bryles style offense and they think, oh, you're throwing it all around. You're getting those wide splits at wide receiver. One of the reasons you get those wide splits is to run the football, right? It makes a defense declare, or it, it allows you to see what coverage they're in better, right? When you get that wide, but like it's hard to disguise as a secondary or, you know, those, those backers, like what they're doing when it comes to being the apex player and all that stuff. Like it's really hard to describe when things are that spread out. And if you get two high safety looks, you just hand the ball off, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not rocket science. It's, nope. it, this is how it works. So I'm, I'm with you. Also uh, a couple notable guys on that top 20 quarterbacks list. Quinn Ewers checking in at 18 and Jackson Dart checking in at 19. I thought that, uh, I thought that both of those were interesting. And how about this? Our man Stetson. Oh, Stetson Bennett, not on the no list, love. man. That guy gets no respect. National championship winning quarterback, and he's not even on the top 20 best QBs in 2022 list. That is, that's cold-blooded, man. Yeah, they probably have JT Daniels ahead of him, right? They they probably have whoever Georgia's backup is going to be ahead of him. <laughs> like Because so. that's all we've said. And I've said a little bit of it over the last couple of years, too. Like, oh, just so so much more talented uh, Stetson. They, at some point, he's going to lose that job, and no, he just he keeps on trucking. Yep, pretty wild. Yeah. All right, let's talk some Big Twelve betting lines. They're out, Ted. BetOnline.ag has put out their Big Twelve win totals. I'll just go in alphabetical order. Baylor, eight and a half. Iowa State, six and a half. Kansas, two and a half. Kansas State, six and a half. Oklahoma, eight and a half. Oklahoma State, eight and a half. TCU, six and a half. Texas, eight and a half. 
Texas Tech, five and a half, and West Virginia, five and a half. Okay, when you see those, does does anything really jump out at you initially? Uh, yes. Oklahoma, eight and a half, is like candy from a baby. Right? Am I, am I missing something? I, okay. So, I saw this on Twitter initially. And I was like, that's got to be a typo. No way. They've got OU at eight and a half. Like, do they just want to? And to, to betonline.ag's defense, the, I, I believe the over is like minus 160, right? Yeah. So, it's not. Uh, I mean, the, the, they clearly, you know, the odds are, are, are pushed over there to the over. But to, for that to even be an option, I, I think it's best to start with this. Brent Venables did not take this job to go eight and four. No. If they go eight and four, he's going to kill someone. <laughs> like, so I, I saw that and I, I stay away and usually stay away from the college football betting. Man, I, I turned to my wife and I was like, hey, how much would you be comfortable with me throwing on OU to win nine games? She was like, what? (laughs) I just, I can't believe that's the number. Well, I can't believe it's the number whenever it's the same number as Oklahoma state and Texas. Texas is a five and seven football team from a year ago. Oh, and by the way, they play the best team in the country. The second game of the season and you've got them with the same win total over under is Oklahoma. I, you know, and I don't know there's a method to their madness and I don't know what it is. I don't know that many people do. It's. I I, I'm with you. Right. But just. I wonder if they think that Oklahoma's in the sec already. a, A lot of, a lot of new faces, right? You got a new offensive system, new defensive system. We we understand. We have we've talked about all of the change, right? But OU still has better players than pretty much everyone in the conference. And, and when you look at, you know that that win total being eight and a half for the Sooners in the last twenty two years, OU's only had eight wins, an eight win season three times. Three. Yeah. Three times. You, uh, 2005, eight and four. 2014, eight and five. It's probably because a really good center graduated the year before and they just couldn't <laughs> handle the loss. And then 2020, they were nine and two. 2014, eight and five. So is that, yeah, that's three times. Two, 05, 2009, and 2014. All eight win seasons. Yeah. But that's three years. Out of twenty two, out of the last twenty two seasons since two thousand, yeah, I mean, so history and statistics are on your side if you're taking the over. Yes, and forget, like, yeah, history and statistics definitely on your side, but so is all of the things that you need to forecast this team moving forward. I, I don't know what this team is going to be come November. They're going to be way better than they are when they start the year. I think this is because of some new schemes and some new guys. 
I think it's going to take a while before they start playing their best football. They're not going to look like a, a, a semifinal type of team probably in the first three, four weeks. But I think they'll round into that. And I think this team, it, if, if things come together like I expect, I think they've got a chance to, to be a one-loss Big 12 champion and make a semifinal. You don't say that about a team that you've got an eight and a half win total on. No, I, I'm with you. And you look at some of these other ones, like a Oklahoma State at eight and a half. You look at their non-conference: Central Michigan, Arizona State, and then they get Arkansas Pine Bluff. So two and one, maybe in the non-con, maybe one and two if things go really poorly. Three and zero oh. should be three and zero. Oh. Should be three and zero, oh, right? Should be a so, three and zero oh football and, team before they these, even get started. Yeah, and these win totals are all regular season win totals. So, I, I, I think that Oklahoma State line is really interesting because basically it says, "Hey, do you think that they will win six Big Twelve games? Do you think they'll go six and three in the Big Twelve? I, I don't know, man." I mean, they lost so much on that defense, and you know, we you you think about the different style they're going to have to play. We assume, and you know, the more that it's going to put on Spencer Sanders to play well, I I don't know. But one that one that's really interesting is Kansas two and a half, right? Because in the non-com, they've got Tennessee Tech, Houston, and Duke. Not easy for them. I, I I am assuming they're going to roll Tennessee Tech. I think they can beat Duke. Now, I'm not going to put any of my own money on Kansas football. I just that I have a strict policy not to do that. But it could be as simple as, do you think Lance Leipold can get that team to win a Big 12 game? Here's the thing. you got to fact Tennessee Tech, you give them the win. Texas, you give them the win. Duke, can they the 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 swing game is Duke. Can they beat Duke? Oh, Texas, you give them the win. <laughs> That's awesome. I that one's interesting. Iowa State. I I know that they were one of the most disappointing teams in the country last year. They were the most disappointing team in the country for me in all of college football last season. I agree. And I, I think when you look at that win total of six and a half, I just, I, I choose to believe that Matt Campbell is going to have that team win seven games. I know that they lost Purdy and Brees Hall and all those guys off that defense. I understand that. But I think if I had to choose, I'd take the over. Like I think that Iowa State will be a seven win football team. I'd be surprised if they were a six and six football team, you know? And, I know that that may sound silly after what happened last year, but it's more of a, I think Matt Campbell's a really good coach. I think that program will be in a more familiar spot heading into the season. They'll feel better. They won't feel the pressure. Yeah. I still don't think they're going to beat Iowa, right? Cause they're at, they're at Iowa, but they've also got like Southeast Missouri and Ohio in their non-conference. So that's two wins there. And it basically comes down to, you think you'll, they'll go five and four in big 12 play and I think that Matt Campbell's a really, really good football coach. So I, 
I think I'd be comfortable taking the over on Iowa State there. They've done a really good job developing their players. And I think the, the point that you made is, is really critical. They're back where they feel comfortable, right? With no one giving them a lot of attention, um, kind of dismissing them a little bit, not spending the entire offseason dedicated to figuring out what the hell it is that Iowa State's doing so well. So, yeah, I, I think that I think they're going to be in a pretty good position. And I think Matt Campbell, he's, he's going to be hungry. Because he's had those big jobs just like on the tip of his fingers. And, you know, you may have missed that opportunity if, if you do have a six and six season. Like you're going to be shuffled to the back of the deck as far as the hot coach to hire at, you know, he'll still be, his name's still going to be thrown around for jobs, but stuff like Michigan and USC, like those are going to be a lot harder to, to acquire if you're coming off of a six and six season. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. And that's I'm not exactly a Hunter Decker's believer. I guess that's who their quarterback is gonna be, that big lefty, but I they will be I they will be more comfortable. Uh one other one. TCU. Right? And and I think that I, I get this sense that some TCU fans are just like, oh, Sonny Dykes is he, he's coming to save everything. Right? He's going to fix it. Gary Patterson, he was too old. He'd been there too long. Sonny's going to come in and fix it. Man, you look at the last three years for TCU five and seven, six and four, five and seven. And their win total six and a half. And they've got Colorado and SMU in the non conference. I, I, I can't take them to win seven games. It's not like Gary Patterson left him, left Sonny Dykes, like some uber talented roster. I don't, I mean, it's been a rough go of it for TCU and it's been a rough go of it on defense as well. So maybe you're, you're hoping that Sonny Dykes and that staff really get things rolling offensively, but I don't know, man. Picking them to win seven games, that would, I'll say this, that would be a hell of a year one for Sonny Dykes in Fort Worth. And they lost some big transfers. They lost their one of their best defensive players. Um, running back, obviously, one of the best running backs. They lost in the their best players. Yeah. Their most talented so, players. Did they, is the, is the receiver still there? Quentin he, Johnson is still there. He's going to have a huge year. Because they are going to throw the football a ton, and they're going to they're going to isolate him and and put him to work. Now that doesn't mean it's going to equal a bunch of wins, but I bet he has a a blowout season as far as statistics. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Any any other of these win totals you want to talk about? Uh, I think we hit them all. I'm telling you, man. Baylor's the team that I'm nervous about. I think Baylor's going to have a squad. They, they're going to have a squad. I, and the reason you, you look at their non-conference, they've got Albany. They got to go to BYU, which is not going to be easy, but they got Texas state. Baylor has done a very good job recently of scheduling a, an an advantageous non-conference. Savvy, savvy. It's like the K state of old. 
Yes. So uh, two and one at the very least for for the Baylor Bears. So basically comes that, hey, do you think they're going to win seven games in the non-conference? I I think they'll curb stomp BYU personally. I, I think I, they're going to be tougher, more developed, more physical than pretty much anyone else in the Big 12 except for Oklahoma, if we come around like I think we're going to. That that game is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, people, if people are like, wait, you're that high on Baylor? They lost all those guys. Go watch the fourth quarter of the OU-Baylor game last year. One team punished yeah. the other. And, they, you know, we haven't beat them every year, but we've walked away from that game saying, oh, my God, that is a physical-ass football team. And that, that is not going to change. And I know they've lost guys, but they've, they've constantly lost guys, and they've done one hell of a job developing. Yeah, and I'm also – I'm a big believer in the systems yeah. there at Baylor. Both of them, yep. Yeah. Really good. What, what Aranda's running defensively, and, and I know they, they lost Petrie and Bernard and JT Woods, but that entire defensive line – is back and I Jeff Grimes maybe runs my favorite offensive scheme in all of college football. So I'm well, a, I'm a believer. The scheme and, is good enough to take a backup linebacker and turn him into the leading rusher in the Big 12. That's a great way of putting it. I don't think we need to say anything <laughs> uh other than that about it. Okay, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys looking at OU's win total, right? The bet online's got eight and a half. You taking the over, you taking the under. Why? I love this first one from Blake Biggs on Twitter. He says, over, it's Oklahoma in the Big 12. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the point, right, is, yeah, they've lost some talent. Yeah, they lost their coach from a year ago, but they're still running out of the tunnel with the more talented team, usually by far. And that is very, very important when it comes to winning football games. Very very important indeed. Uh, this other one comes from Jarek Savage, who says, over for sure, just the change in the program that we have already seen. I would be shocked if we didn't get 10 wins this upcoming season. I honestly don't believe BV would allow it. Boomer. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing is we're taking mainly the same group of guys and hammering home discipline, strength and conditioning. And it's not Lincoln Riley's offensive system, but you've got two proven systems offensively and defensively that have been as good as anyone in the country. So I, the formula, although different, is still there. And frankly, I think the formula is better. Yeah. And this last one comes from Chris Peterson, who says, over, Rover. Wait, is that a saving? Is that a saying? Uh, I, I don't think so, but nice, Chris. Sounds like something Chris Peterson, the coach, would say. Yeah. Over, Rover. Just don't see more than three losses on the schedule. Only way it's four is DG is out at critical times. Back in the day, I stayed away from betting Sooner games because of bias. This one would be hard to stay away from. I agree, Chris. That is agree. the caveat, though, right? Yeah, right. If, if Dylan Gabriel goes down, now, not to put any limits 
on the development of Nick Evers, the development of Davis Bevel, the development of General Boutte. But yeah, that'd be that'd be real bad, real bad for Oklahoma. Well, I know Lebby Lebby really likes uh, General Booty. It's still so weird to say. Likes him a lot, and he's one of the probably the most underrated uh, kids in the country. Played at dip four different high schools. Kind of during the COVID deal, went under the radar, um, and you know just has a fanta- has the pedigree and has a fantastic set of skills. So he, I think he could be a solid player. Now he's he's not. I don't think he's going to be the starter over Dylan Gabriel by any means. I'm not saying that, but I think you've got a really skilled player there, and, and obviously Bevel uh, pretty good as well. Which frankly, if our running game is what we hope it's going to be that may not be it may not matter now you may not make a semifinal but if you run the ball like we expect to then you still should be a 10-win football team yeah and you also got to factor schedule in this right yeah. and that's yeah that game at nebraska not going to be easy it's not as good it is not going to be as easy as some people think it's going to be and then you get k-state at home you get baylor at home you get oklahoma state at home and now you got to go to Ames and that is that is what it is but the schedule is also I mean don't have to sugarcoat it it's it's an easy schedule all things considered yeah well in in the games that we were typically worried about a less talented team why were we worried about it out physicaling us and out detailing us Everything Venables does is built on details and physicality. So you hope that you're not walking into those games, not knowing what you're going to expect. You feel like you're going to have a, you're going to start the game with a detailed physical squad. And some things may have to happen after that, but those two things are first and foremost that you should be able to take care of if that's what you're preaching. Yep. No doubt about it. All right. Birthday shout outs time. Happy seventh birthday to Easton Phillips. Happy seventh birthday to Adeline Rohde. I'm going Adeline. Adeline Rohde. Happy early 13th birthday to Zoe Thacker. Happy 13th birthday to Carly Jean Curtis. Happy 27th birthday to Miko Factor. Happy 60th birthday to Scott Coleman. Happy birthday to Miles and shoots and shoots and shoots. I think, well, that's what I would have said. Happy early birthday to Cindy Tillery, Cindy or Sydney. Oh, I don't know if I typed it wrong. Oh yeah. Sorry. I read that wrong. Is it Sydney Tillery? Well, let's just cover both Sydney and Cindy, both (laughs) Miss Tillery. Happy (laughs) birthday. Uh, Happy retirement to Lisa Johnson. After 33 years of Ooh. teaching. Congratulations to Megan and Corey on the birth of Cade William Kasky. Congratulations to Travis and Monica on their amazing wedding. And this is great, Ted. I don't know if this is true or not, but in this email, it said that in their vows, those vows included, quote, I promise to always cheer for the Sooners through the highs and lows. And I promise to listen to Gabe and Teddy's podcast on road trips. Smart. That's not good. sure if that's true, 
But if it is, that's amazing. And that will keep uh, a marriage together better than anything right there, listening to the podcast. Yes. The Oklahoma breakdown is keeping marriages strong. It's what we're here for, people. And a shout-out to Caitlin Christofferson for being such a loyal listener. We appreciate it. All right. There's a, there's a lot going on the SEC that will affect OU in the future. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, yes, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, Stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. And Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery, soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, SEC spring meetings coming up in Destin, Florida. I know everyone is probably just hoping that Jimbo and Saban fistfight, and I get it, I get it, but there's actually some important stuff that is going to be discussed there that will affect OU once they get into the Southeastern Conference. And, of course, it's always Ross Dellinger on this, man. That guy, we got to get to know him before OU gets to the SEC. I mean, that dude is dialed in, but he put out an article in Sports Illustrated about the future of SEC scheduling. And clearly, OU and Texas will make the SEC a 16-team conference. And it sounds like they are down to two scheduling models once OU and Texas get into the league. Number one, one plus seven, meaning one permanent opponent and seven rotating opponents giving you eight SEC games. The second option, three plus six meaning three permanent opponents, permanent opponents. That's not easy to say. Three plus six, three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents, which would give you nine SEC games. That I feel like I know where both of us are going to uh, fall on this issue, but 
Are there any reasons why you think someone should look at the one plus seven model and go, yeah, that's the model we all want. Yeah, that's the one. Um, here's the thing. I, I want non-conference games, not eight. I, I would be, I would prefer of, of the two. I wish it was one plus eight. That's what I wish it was. Now, one plus seven, obviously Oklahoma would be locked in with Texas and you'd have seven random opponents. I'd be fine with that. But it all goes back to the same thing for me. I want even scheduling. And I don't trust that you're going to get even scheduling at all. I know that's what Sankey is saying. I know that's what they've, they've talked about. But they could do that right now. Whenever they say that's what we want to get to, well, get to it right now. That's, that's my hang-up on, on both of these is are we going to get the even scheduling like we're being told? And I don't trust it. I, I hear you. So there's an interesting part of Dellinger's article where he talks about once OU and Texas are there, there's, there's a pretty clear line between the top eight and the bottom eight in the league. So basically you look at the top eight and OU and Texas would be in that top eight with how big of brands they are. But the other, the other six would be Bama, LSU, Auburn, A&M, Georgia, and Florida. While the bottom eight would be Tennessee, South Carolina, Arkansas, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Mississippi state, and Missouri. And the compromise, right. To get the bottom eight on board for the nine conference games would be if you're one of the bottom eight teams, your permanent opponents, you would only have one of the top eight teams as your permanent opponent. And if you're one of the top eight teams, you would have two of the top eights as your permanent. So for example, that may have been confusing, but for example, they took a crack, uh, Sports Illustrated took a crack at picking the permanent opponents teams would have in the three plus six model and OU's permanent opponents would be Texas who would be a top eight team Florida who would be a top eight team and Missouri so who is a bottom eight team so the top eight teams would get two top eight permanent opponents and only one bottom while the bottom eight would get two bottom eight opponents and one top and I guess that's supposed to help the problem you're thinking of, I guess, and it's supposed to get everyone on board for the nine-game conference schedule. Well, by the way, OU playing Texas and Florida every single year, yeah, sign me up. I'm in. Awesome. I'm absolutely awesome. in. And Missouri, I, sign me up. Well, I, like, I don't care about playing Missouri at all. Of all of the teams in the SEC, that's who I'm least excited about is Missouri. Which is good because you would hope that that'd be a, a consistent win for the Sooners, right? That right. doesn't hurt anything. I just feel like we're going to be permanently linked with Missouri no matter what happens. Like, oh, hey, yeah, you guys used to be in the Big 12 together. You guys should set up a permanent back and forth. Like, 
I'd rather have a permanent back and forth with anyone else. But that's fine. My question is, what does permanent mean? Because I Tennessee, like most of the teams right now in the bottom eight are better than Texas. Most of them, right? Solid, solid percentage of them. So I like when you lock into your three permanent opponents, is that like is that three years? Is that ten years? Is that forever? To the to the next TV deal? Right. I just I don't know. I feel like the three permanent opponents again is a way to lock in Alabama and Georgia to some t- something that gives them an edge. I don't know why you need three permanent opponents. I don't know why you wouldn't do because the top and bottom eight change every year. If you did one plus eight, you can change that every year if you want and make it to where you're taken from the, the top and the bottom eight as, as you deem those teams, you know, if a team's got a, a senior quarterback that's been really good, I like a Tennessee this year with Hendon Hooker, they're going to be a top eight team in the SEC, in my opinion. So I just, I don't know. I feel like whenever they're trying to hit you with permanent opponents, it's because there's a way to game the system for the best teams in the SEC. That's the way I view it, because that's how they've always done it. I I would push back on that a little bit, just from the proposed permanent opponents that Sports Illustrated threw out there. For Bama, their permanents would be Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. Mm-hmm. That ain't easy. No, it's not. I mean, that that that's not easy. And you look at what they have for Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Kentucky. So I, I, there's not a perfect system, right? Because I understand the people that want the one plus seven, they look at it, they say eight conference games. That's what we've been doing. It would allow teams to schedule four non-conference games. It would allow some of those teams maybe in the bottom eight to schedule a cupcake game, rack up a win. I, I get that. But I, I think the SEC, you've got to play nine Conference game. You're a 16 team conference. Like you can't, you can't play less than nine conference games. And the, there is one question I have about it from, from OU's standpoint. And I guess from Texas's standpoint as well. When you're playing nine conference games, that means you're, you're going to have five home games, four road games one year. And the next year, you're going to have four home games and five road games. Right, because nine is an uneven number. I'm not great at math, but I know that. With OU and Texas playing in the Cotton Bowl, playing a neutral site game, are they going to guarantee OU and Texas four home games each year, separate from that game, or are there going to be like, is there going to be a year where OU is the quote unquote home team for OU Texas, and then they only have three SEC home games like that? That can't happen. So yeah. that's where that's my that's my big question about that format for OU. It's like, okay, what does that mean for OU in Texas because of that neutral site game? And I know they're not the only team that plays neutral site games, but that would with, with that being one of your how it happens now in the Big Twelve. Say that one more time. 
because we play we play nine conference games in the Big Twelve right now. Is that how it rolls out for us in the right now that we've got four and five rotating? Dude, have you ever paid attention to that? I haven't. No. I know I haven't <laughs> counted it, but it this this format got me thinking about. It. It's like wait, so OU some years they could have OU Texas in the Cotton Bowl and then only three home conference games. Like I, yeah, I I that is I don't think that could happen. I mean, the fan base would freak out. I know that. That would yeah, that would be. Maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. Am I am I dumb? Am I thinking about it wrong? Because if you're playing nine, it's four and five, and you would do you would assume that every team it would just be like every other year. You'd have five home, then four home, five home, four home. Maybe it would just be four and four, and then you you just alternate that that Texas. That, is that what you're saying that they? Or yeah, they, would they just would they lock OU in Texas and like, hey, you have you permanently? We're going to give you guys four home SEC games. And then that fifth one is your neutral site game. It doesn't count. So my guess is they will probably not do that. <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking. That was like, so I was like, oh man, there could be years in that three plus six format. There technically could be years where OU's only got three SEC games in Norman. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't either. That's it's wild, but. The good thing, I guess, is our non-conference coming up is going to be really good. Uh, it's going to be pretty much routinely solid over the next several years. So, and I think that, you know, a lot of this and, you know, the postseason deal that they're talking about, SEC going at it alone in the postseason, like, if that happens, the which I don't know what that would do to being able to schedule outside of the SEC could make it pretty difficult for non-conference, but um, I think the schedule is going to be really good coming up for OU. Yeah, so that is that's another important thing that's going to be discussed at those SEC spring meetings. Uh, Pete Thamel from ESPN he put an article out there about the SEC considering its own playoff and. Greg Sankey, he said it publicly. It's important for the SEC to explore all the possibilities. You know, with how every how quickly everything's changing in college football, he wants to he he challenged the athletic directors to think outside the box. And I think Greg Sankey is still just really pissed about college football playoff expansion not happening. And it's kind of funny because him getting OU in Texas to the SEC is the reason the whole thing fell apart. We all know what it is, even though everyone won't say it. So it's kind of funny that he's mad about it when he caused it. But he he felt like the SEC was really sacrificing, right, to expand the playoff. And that the SEC was willing to make that sacrifice for the greater good of college football. And Jim Phillips and Kevin Warren and George Klyavkov they they didn't play ball. The funny part is Bob Bowlesby, who should be more pissed than anyone, was still willing to push for playoff expansion. Be like, yep, it's best for the league. I'm still very angry about my two biggest brands leaving, but we'll do it because it's best for college football. But the alliance couldn't figure out. And Ted, the SEC and Sankey putting this out there, it feels like a bit of a, a warning shot to the Big Ten, to the Pac-12, and to the ACC. I, 
I think everything that Greg Sankey does is rather calculated. And this felt like him saying, Hey, figure it out over there, figure it out. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how those folks are going to respond to it because I think it's really interesting, but I don't think, I don't think they can pull it off yet. If you think about it right now, OU and Texas going to the SEC gives you 16 really solid schools. You've got, obviously, some are, are still way better than the others. But if you, did a, if you did a self-contained playoff that didn't have Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Oregon, Penn State, Wisconsin, Florida State, Miami, Iowa. Like those are those are big brands not every year but good schools that need to be a part of the system. So I I find it hard to believe that you could do it without those type of schools and call it, you know, a national championship or whatever. But if you could pull like I feel like the ACC is the weakest. If you got Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and you're at 20 teams, now you're talking about a self-contained playoff that, in my opinion, would have a ton of legitimacy. Now, I know the ACC's media rights deal is I forever, essentially. Till 2036, if my memory right. serves me correctly. I will say this, though. The SEC... They are, they are absolutely married to ESPN. Right. You know who the ACC TV deal is with? That's right. And I know that there's no way that they want that until 2035. Uh, ESPN, if there's more money to be made, which there is, I don't think they would want to be locked into that. Like Right now, it's good to lock it in to that system because you probably beat the ACC over the head with it. And they were just happy to sign anything. But if you have the ability to do something like, like Notre Dame is obviously the freaking square peg, like it always is. But you know, if you could pull off something like that, now all of a sudden a self-contained playoff all looks really interesting. I will say, I I don't think Greg Sankey wants that. I, I really don't. I agree. He, He's, he's a smart guy. He understands how important it is, not only that the other schools are involved and that you have that ecosystem of college football, but that the SEC remains important to those other fan bases, right? Because of the possibilities of you know playing them in bowl games, playing them in the playoff, playing them in the nine conference. Like that is, that's one of the things that makes college football great is even when you know you're going to play them the next year, you're looking at it like, okay, what's uh, what, what's Auburn got this year? You know, yep. there there is that aspect to college football, and he doesn't want that to go to way, go away. I think he's just looking at it, going, those three guys really piss me off, and I'm I'm just going to let them know that we're thinking about this, and if if Sankey wanted to do that, like. He has proven that he will go poach big brands. And, and I know the media rights deals are what they are, but I just, 
I, I think it was him saying, hey, just so you know, we're, we're exploring all options. And I, I know it certainly got my attention, especially when you consider the SEC has won 12 of the last 16 national titles. So yeah. they've, well, they've controlled the sport. They have. So I, I, I don't think this is going to come to anything, but I, I do hope it creates a sense of urgency for for Kevin Warren and for Klyavkov and for Jim Phillips to to realize, hey, we 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 got to start getting this expansion plan in place, or else there could be even it could result in even more, you know, large shift in the landscape landscape of the sport. And I haven't we had enough change for a couple yeah. years? Don't we deserve just a little breather? Well, a a, a breather, but some change that everyone, every fan base in the country, like maybe Alabama and Georgia don't want an expanded playoff, but I'm pretty sure that everyone else in the country does because they want to feel like they've got more of a shot of being in the group of haves versus the have nots. Right. So if it's something that everyone can agree on and I get, I know it's not unanimous, but I, I feel like an expanded playoff would be massively embraced by college football fans everywhere. Yeah. It I know would. there's the old schools that don't want it to turn into NFL 2.0 with an expanded playoff, but I, they won't be upset whenever their team makes the 12-team playoff. They'll no, be it's, it will be exhilarating, especially right. when it's a, a team that no one would expect to make the 12-team playoff. Like, you, you look at last year, Pitt. Yep. I mean, Pitt, Pitt would have been in any 12 team playoff that there would be. And that just doesn't happen very often for a school like that. That like that will happen often for you know teams in the eight to twelve range there when it comes to the seeding in a 12 team playoff. And that'll be that'll be awesome. That'll be fun. And I, I know people are like, well, oh, I love the regular season mattering. It's going to matter still. I'm, I still, I don't I've been understand trying it either. For a man. decade to wrap my head around that argument, and I still cannot do it. We're and just dumb football players. We don't if, understand this high level of thinking. The way it helps is if, for the love of God, if they would do this, it would be the greatest thing ever. The first round is at the home stadium. Can if, you imagine hosting a playoff game in Norman? How awesome that would be! Oh, I or even going on a road playoff game in Columbus or Notre Dame, wherever it is, the atmosphere would be so crazy. It would be, it would be incredible, which is why I know it won't happen. I know that's the that's why I hate. That's one of the things I hate about college football. Uh, you don't have a like your win or go home games are always neutral site. You know it's 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 weird. That's that's why the NFL playoffs are awesome, right? Just I, I, yeah. I went to the AFC Championship game, and Kansas City ended up, Kansas City ended up losing. It sucked, but that place, uh, I mean, it was insane. Yeah, and that is, I I want that for us, Ted. <laughs> I know it. I want I know that it. for us. And just one last thought on all this. I was, 
I was doing Big 12 radio this week, and we were talking about this SEC, you know, nine games versus eight games uh, when it comes to the future scheduling. And it made me think about the future of the Big 12. And I want to make this clear. Like, OU and Texas are going to leave. We are going to start talking a lot more SEC on here. We're probably not going to talk much Big 12. But you and I will always be Big 12 guys. That's yep. just played in the Big 12. So it's it's always going to have a special place for us. And I was thinking about the, the, the new commissioner for the Big 12 and what should be top of the priority list. And I really think when, when you look at the future projections for revenue, right, for these conferences, and there's just this huge gap developing. It's already there, but it's, it's getting even wider between the Big Ten and the SEC and everyone else. The Big 12, once OU and Texas leave, they need to play 10 conference games. And then they need to require that one of their two non-conference games is against a Power 5 team. That's a rule right now in the SEC, by the way. You have to play another Power 5 team in your non-conference slate in the SEC. And I, I think that brings value to the Big 12. It, it allows it. I think it's good marketing, right? We're the only conference that plays 10 conference games. I think that that plays really well and, and would give them that angle when it comes to talking about the league and promoting the league. But I think it also gives you, and maybe I'm not thinking of it correctly, it, it also gives you a negotiating tactic. Like if you establish that now, that you're going to do that. It allows you to use it in negotiations for a new media rights deal, which is coming up. I mean, soon coming yep. up. So I, I know you're losing your two biggest brands. You, you have to do something different. You have to get creative to keep people interested in the league and talking about the big 12. And I think that that would be, that would be a good place to start. And maybe I'm not thinking of the, of the consequences of doing that, but I thought it was a good idea. I thought, uh, I thought that oh, was something the Big 12 should do. I like that. I'll tell you what else they should do. They should make an agreement with the Pac-12 to the winner of the Big 12 and the winner of the Pac-12 uh, schedule the season opener for the next year. Oh. That would be sweet. Yeah, because I, I know they're going to be like, well, God, we got a good team. Why would we want to do that right out of the gate in the non-conference? Because you need eyeballs, man. You need eyeballs. And, and, if the, and if the argument's like, oh, well, there's a lot of planning and that just block, block that stadium in Vegas out. And you know I hate the neutral site game. I do. Right. But if but that's the issue. These fan bases in the Big 12 in the Pac-12 don't go to games. You know, they don't for the just, most part. The, just the, play it in Vegas. People show up. That's right. And uh, it's we learned that the whole, oh, it's just too hard to pull the scheduling off. We learned that that is not true. OK, well, you can schedule games in 36 hours. OK, you can you can lock in the Big 12 winner and the Pac-12 winner kicking the season off the next year and like call it something. I don't know, but that's how you get eyeballs is doing stuff like that. The days of, if you want big media deals, you can't play 
Charleston Southern, the city, like you can't play three games like that. You've got to be able to schedule big time games. And I know Klyakov and the Pac-12 are desperate right now to, to, to be relevant. And, you know, I know it's not going to be an Oklahoma or Texas name, but it's still, you, you take your conference champion and you give them a bunch of pub all off season and you do the same with the Pac-12, like, that could be something that generates a lot of really cool attention. And it, there, there may be some people say, well, what about the games that are already scheduled in the future? I don't care. Cancel them. Yeah. <laughs> figure it out. I mean, figure it out. We, we if, know it can be figured out. And here's the thing, man. If, if you've got a game that's already scheduled for that, that slot, you can't tell me the TV partners wouldn't say, oh, you're going to schedule this and you're going to schedule, it's going to be Oklahoma State, Oregon to kick off the year instead of Oklahoma State and Central Michigan. Yeah, we can get on board with that. Yeah, we sign us up. We'll do it. We're in. I think the TV partners would, would love that. Anything that gives you, because they don't care who wins, anything that gives you more eyeballs I think television partners will love. Here's a perfect example. Cause uh, maybe you're a fan of a big 12 team and you hear this and you go, no, no, no. I just, you know, 10 big 12 games and a power five team. Like that seems like a lot. If you're an Iowa state fan, right. In 2025, which is when I would suggest they start doing this, right. When OU and Texas leave for the sec, Iowa state opens with South Dakota. If I'm an Iowa State fan, I would much rather see Iowa State play another Big 12 game than watch them play South Dakota. And I know they play Iowa. I I know they play Iowa every year. They're going to continue to do that, I would assume. Yeah, it'll be a tough schedule. But tell the coaches you'll be bringing in more TV money so you can pay them more money. Deal with it. Like I just, more, it's the same way I feel about the SEC thing, right? More SEC games is good. More Big 12 games. Good. So I I don't know. It was just a thought. Just a thought I had to get out there, Ted. Nope. I love it. And, you know, I I also think that like you played what you you played Florida State in an early season non-conference game, right? Correct. Uh, was played Notre, Notre Dame twice. Was Notre Dame in 13? Was it early? No, it was a little later. Okay. It was in, was it was in October, wasn't it? Was, was, 2012 was like in November. It, that was awesome. Yeah, or it was maybe awesome. Maybe it was late October. But what I was going to say is, like, if you, if you schedule big non-conference opponents instead of, you know, the, the non-Power 5 schools and the easy wins, like, it changes the way your football team prepares throughout the summer. If you know you're going to play a top 10 Florida State team on the road, it's, it's, I mean, it's constantly pounded in your head throughout the summer that you better be ready. And there's, there's that edge that you prepare with. So, like, we played Alabama a couple years when I was, when I was there. And it's just, it gives you a little, little bit more fuel throughout the, the preparation for the season. So, I think it's a good, good all the way around. Yeah. Schmitty just setting the helmet 
oh yeah on the on the stadiums just making you look at it the whole time oh right. psychological warfare from that man all the time all right let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week but first it's time to get back out on the golf course and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf clubby seltzers Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is coming out soon. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit clubbyseltzers.com. I think the variety pack is out. At some places, I just don't find it. People find it attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Winner of the week, got to be James Harden. Um, it's starting to make the rounds that after the 24 ride still is up with the NBA, expansion is expected. Two spots, Seattle. Maybe they can quit bitching and moaning about their team coming to Oklahoma City. Number two, Las Vegas, baby. And we know James Harden loves the nightlife. And um, hell, he may even demand a trade out to uh, Vegas starting right now as soon as the, uh, the news came out that it's expected that the, uh, the expansion spot is going to be in Las Vegas. I, that is if Harden's still in the league by then. We'll have to wait and see. Do... Do you remember that? I can't remember if it was on Reddit or who did it, but the guy that ended up breaking down the stats of James Harden, yes. like in the cities with good strip clubs versus the cities with bad strip clubs. Direct correlation. Yes. Oh, just an incredible, just an incredible deep dive by that human being. But yeah. And you look at that situation, like are the 76ers going to pay him? Right. Cause he's eligible for an extension. Or well, is he going to play so, next year? Because he one? signed a Supermax, right? And they've been passing around his contract. How many years are left on it? I I think just one. Oh, there's going to be some people that, that want that expiring chunk of change. But, you know, I think the uh, – I think everyone kind of knows now that Harden's days of, of being a max contract guy, they are long gone, right? You say that, but so I, someone's going to pay him that money. He is so? due. He's due $47 million 
next year, and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. I mean, that that is, for a team that's looking to rebuild, <laughs> 47 coming off the books, that leaves a pretty massive void that you can go in and, and clear some things up. But I, I don't know, man. I feel like, because he's getting up there in age now, and the offseason for him, like, it it's like March before he gets in shape. <laughs> and let's be real. He is he has forced his way out of the last two places he's been. Everywhere. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like you can't I, I don't know. By just being fat and out of shape. I know. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. But I'll just tell you right now, the NFL being in Vegas has already had some issues, but I when you travel for football, you get there the day before. You've got like usually fly in land at about what five o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock. Yeah, and it sounds like teams when they're going and playing in Vegas, they kind of push the schedule back. They're landed, they're landed yeah. as late as possible. Yeah, we're going straight into meetings whenever we get to the hotel and then bed check. The NBA is a different different story, man. I uh, you fly in the night after a game and I. Uh, it, I just, it's going to be a disaster is what I'm saying. It's going to be it, amazing. <laughs> they're going to have, whatever the Vegas team is called, they're going to have an unbelievable home record. It's going to be even more significant than Miami. Oh, it's crazy. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, James Harden's got to be your winner. You you could have gone with the casinos or the nightclubs in Vegas, but I love that you went with Harden. That's, right. that's incredible. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Um. A loser, I had to go with the Big 12 coaches on this. Whenever they put together your all-Big 12, first, second, and honorable mention teams for the baseball, OU, the, they closed out winning their last five, conference, um, last five conference series, and they were picked way low to finish the, uh, the season, and they ended up finishing a third, did a really good job closing out, and they only had six guys on the first, second, honorable mention team compared to Oklahoma State, who they ended up beating in the rankings, and uh, Oklahoma State had 12. Tech had 11. TCU had 10. Texas had nine. Oh, we got a Simon appearance. I This is this hasn't happened in a long time, but this is what happens when we record in the morning. Well, I'm home alone, and there's another dog in the uh, yard. Hang on a second. Okay. Well, we're going to do uh, – Ted is going to take a brief break. But as far as the as far as far the Big 12 baseball stuff, and I think they were actually – that technically, OU actually finished tied for second and lost the tiebreaker, so that's what made them the three seed in, in the Big 12 tournament. But, yeah, maybe – Maybe that just means that Skip Johnson's a really, really good coach and that the team kind of got it rolling at the right time. But I, 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 I'm not going to pretend that I have a ton of knowledge when it comes to the individual talent that OU baseball has got. But yeah, when you win that many games, it seems like you should have more guys on the All-Big 12 team, Ted. It just seems that way. It seems pretty simple. Um, either that 
or Skip Johnson should be coach of the year if he's taken a, a group of ragtags and been able to pull off what they pulled off. And I'm excited. I, I hope they uh, I hope they go in and win that Big 12 tournament. They win two, maybe three games. I think they can host a regional. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to go snag some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcony Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery ever to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit Balcony's Distilling. Com. All right, for my winner of the week, I thought about going with NFL quarterbacks because a lot of NFL QB headlines right now. Ted, Mac Jones, best shape of his life. Zach Wilson, he's gained 13 pounds, up to 221. Says he's feeling great. Justin Herbert, up to 245 pounds. The guy is jacked. He's he looks, huge. He looks huge. And Ryan Tannehill. Said he'll be a good teammate to Malik Willis. Uh, people, so people that were outraged by that whole thing, they can uh, they can calm down now. And hell, Tyreek Hill even told everyone that two is very accurate. I mean, uh, just QB headlines left and right. Well, um, that's all good news. Uh, the league, the NFL, is driven by quarterback play, and uh, these guys are putting in the work in the offseason. I love it. Yeah, but also thought about going with the Dallas Mavericks. Shot it really well from three and avoided the sweep from the Warriors. Now, the gentleman's sweep is probably coming, but you look at that game. Yeah, Luca had 30. I didn't, he didn't shoot it particularly well. Most exciting things in that game, uh, number one, the leak in the, the roof. That was, I mean, incredible. And it is, I was very disappointed that they didn't just have a shot of Mark Cuban's face the entire time. That would have been they showed glimpses of it. I wanted to see the full extended reaction from Mark Cuban. That would have been incredible content. Someone's got it somewhere. That camera, you know, was on him the entire time. Uh, it's probably going to come out. That was great. And then the other, the other highlight of that game, I don't even know how he did it. Draymond Green's free throw just stopping 
on the back of the rib like that. That's you couldn't do that if you tried, uh, I mean, 5,000 times. Like, you, there's no way. Pretty good stuff. Pretty impressive. And I'm glad the Mavs pulled it off. They almost blew the lead, but, hey, uh, they got out of there. Yeah, the, the gentleman's sweep is coming. Oh, yeah. In, in San Fran. It's, it's coming. But my, my winner of the week, Chet Holmgren. NBA Combine was last week in Chicago. And uh, Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN. I've never known if that's how you say that guy's name or not. I read his stuff all the time. I'm just going to go with Gavoni. I don't know if that's right. But he had this to say after the NBA combine. Quote, most NBA teams firmly believe that Jabari Smith is all but assured to become the top pick. Smith, for his part, appears thrilled with that development. So is Chet Holmgren over his looming marriage with the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is also the overwhelming expectation from NBA executives with whom we spoke at the draft combine, end quote. <sighs> it, it looks like I'm going to have to get on Team Chet. It sounds that way. Now, I, I think assuming what Sam Presti is going to do, what the draft is in a month, I think assuming what Presti is going to do is a bit of a fool's errand. I think he is, uh, he's proven that over the years, but a lot of sides pointing to Chet Holmgren being the selection for the Thunder at two. So it sounds like I need to get on the Chet train, right? I'm, and I've got a month to talk myself into him being a Hall of Fame player. I think I could do it. I think I could do it. Are you? How do you feel about him right now? Are you just kind of on the fence? Uh, I, the, the body type concerns me. Just like, and, and I know that you had a traumatic experience with the Anthony Davis take. I understand that. But he... He runs weird. He's hunched over. He's super skinny. Like, I I like guys that look like Jabari Smith. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I like guys where I look, I'm like, damn, look at that guy. Instead of Chet Holmgren, where you're like, damn, look at that guy. What? But yeah, Jabari Smith looks durable. Durable. Uh, yes. Chet looks breakable. He, and I know he'll grow up, and he's super young right now, and he'll naturally put on some weight, uh, but it it is I, – what's he listed at height-wise? He's like seven foot. Yeah. I, I'll say this. I, I see what a lot of people see, right, when you, when you watch Chet Holmgren, right? He brings size in the front court. Like, the Thunder desperately need a, a building piece in the front court. Right. And, and he would be that he's from all indications. He's the best room protector in the draft is a guy. He shot 39% from three at Gonzaga. Like the guy can shoot. He's a good passer. Like he's creative offensively. Like he, he is extremely skilled, but I've also been watching the Miami heat and Boston Celtics series. And like those guys are beating the shit out of each other. Like anyone that wants to say basketball is not super physical, it's not like it was in the 80s and 90s. Go watch game three and four of the Miami and Boston series. Tell me it's not physical. Mm -hmm. Like that, that game three, man, it was like, it was unbelievable what they were doing. That's the game where everyone was just getting hurt. Right. I, I watched that game in the playoffs and I'm like, can Chet Holmgren 
Like, how would he fare in that situation? I look at Jabari Smith, and I'm like, like you said, durable. He'll be fine. And then I look at Chet, and I'm like, oh, man. Like, if he's if he's getting knocked around like that, it it's a grown man league, man. I know he's going to be a rookie. That's what but, saying. Uh, it's like it's a it's it's just like the NFL. Big, strong, fast dudes are typically the most successful. And Holmgren's extremely skilled, but just doesn't doesn't have the durability yet. But I, I'll get on board. I'll talk myself into it. He's, you know, as a rim protector, I don't, I don't know. You get in, you get in the paint with those animals in the NBA, like. How much you think Steven Adams weighs? Probably he's probably listed at like 260. He's probably lighter. Like, I don't you know. Think he's lighter than that. <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. The dude's seven feet tall. I know. I th- I 250. I think he's probably like I think he's heavier than that, but I could I, I don't know. It's hard to gauge, but all right, those are some massive, and I'm not just talking about height. I'm talking about like just big, big boned, massive dudes in there. I, I, I picture him as like he's hanging out by the three point line. I don't know how is he, how he can't. Is he going to be able to defend like a four in the NBA? I, I, I don't know. He is. He's seven foot tall, and I don't think he weighs 200 pounds yet. <laughs> I'll talk myself into it, man. Let's move on before. I, I don't want to slander Chet since he's he's going to go to the Thunder and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't want to put too much slander on record here. So let's, uh, He'll let's put just some move weight on. on. He'll put yeah. some weight on, and, it, and here's the thing. It doesn't have to happen overnight, right? doesn't have to happen over, overnight. Yeah. All right, for my loser of the week. Thought about going with the Arizona Cardinals. OTA starting this week. No Kyler Murray. And I know they're voluntary, but not ideal when your franchise quarterback's not there. That's that's typically uh that's typically a guy you want at those types of things. And we'll see what happens when Arizona's got their mandatory minicamp here uh June 14th through 16th. But yeah, not. Not an ideal situation for Cliff Kingsbury in the old uh, the old Arizona Cardinals. I love Kyler. I love watching him play. But I hate this. Am, am I am I wrong here? No. It, I feel like he's getting bad advice from his representation. Like I know he wants the long term security, but you're going to get paid, man. It's just that's how it is. You're going to get paid. He's going to get paid and. If you wait another year, you're going to get paid even more because it's been proven the the QB market is just going to keep climbing. That's right. So I don't know why he wants to lock himself in now. I listen. I I get you want that long term security. You want the guaranteed money as soon as possible. I I don't know, but I, I I'm kind of with you on that. I don't I don't understand what uh what they're trying to do. Especially didn't want a playoff game, man. I didn't want a playoff game, but you don't hold out when they're not going to miss you. Doesn't do you any good to hold out of uh, 
you know, a non-mandatory, like, they don't feel any pressure that you're not there for OTAs. They feel pressure if you're not going to play in the season. Like, right now, like, you're not, you're not doing anything but giving yourself, I believe, some bad press. I agree. And remember, they picked up his fifth-year option. So he's got two more years under contract with them, this season and next season. And I think I, I think he'll make just under thirty million dollars next year. Yeah. With with that fifth year option. So I don't know. It it is it is a bit perplexing, but man, he's fun to watch. He is fun to watch. I I also thought about going with OU fans as my loser of the week, Ted, because we're not gonna get to see the red balloons at Nebraska. Do you see that? No. So OU going to Lincoln, right? This season, Nebraska's got this tradition, and maybe we didn't want to see it because the tradition is once Nebraska scores its first touchdown at home, they release all of these red balloons, right? Global helium shortage. Dang it. Well. Said they need all the helium for the medical uh, school. They they can't be wasting it on balloons. I. I guess it is a it's a supply chain thing. It's also a uh, war in Ukraine thing. So thanks, Putin. Yeah, but it is uh, we're not going to see the red balloon release. I I don't really care to see the red balloon release, but I think it would be awesome to have someone spend a ton of time filling up balloons, a ton of money filling up balloons, only to shut them out at home to where they can't release the balloons. That would be awesome. It would be very similar to... I didn't, we bring up the 77 to nothing game a lot. But those A&M fans didn't get to kiss each other, didn't right. get to sit down, losers. <laughs> yeah. Could I, you imagine all the that entire crowd just holding the red balloon like, all right, here we go. <laughs> it just never happened. Waiting, waiting. Hold. Yeah, but uh, global helium shortage man dang it but my loser of the weekend people that love the nfl pro bowl because and there's not many of them i don't think i was about to say i think only the players that get a check for it love the pro bowl but nfl owners will be discussing the future of the pro bowl at the league meetings this week and there are multiple reports that have said that the nfl has talked to players and teams about exploring alternatives to the Pro Bowl League, including elimination of the game. Uh, Goodell basically said they need, they need a f- to find another way to celebrate the Pro Bowl players because the game just, it's, it's not working anymore, and the TV ratings for it are completely terrible. So what ideas do we got? What do we got? What competitions do we want to see these guys compete in? I will throw this out there initially. I and, and millions of other people, Love watching the cooking shows, the cooking contest shows like chopped. Okay. If you could get me like a Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, like chopped style competition, or maybe you get like the, the, the best quarterbacks and you give them a basket with, I don't know, an onion, a wheel of cheese, um, some halibut and <laughs> possum meat. I don't know, man, but and say, all right, make a dish, boys. Here you go. Like, I I would love to watch that. I'm a big fan of the cooking shows. I always loved, 
like the skills competitions. I thought those were always cool, but man, I honestly, I'll tell you, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything that's going to really pull everyone in unless there's something else happening. Like if it was, if they did something like during the Super Bowl or like you need to have, it's, no one's going to show up to watch whatever it is. You need a captive audience. Uh, and when you have the Super Bowl, you have a captive audience. So I know the Super Bowl halftime show is, you know, is a, is a huge deal. But I'm just trying to think of when you could have a captive audience that would, you'd already have people sitting there waiting and, you know, you can present them with something instead of trying to get them to tune in to something that they really can't be invested in. Yeah. I don't know, but I've enjoyed the dodgeball. Dodgeball's been good. Like it's it's entertaining. I uh, really there there's a couple of there's a couple of arguments in NFL locker rooms that I feel are are just going to be in those locker rooms forever. Uh number one, basketball. Right. And yep. there's probably too much risk in it. I understand that. But if we could watch a bunch of pro bowlers go at it on the hardwood. There's a lot of guys in the locker room that talk about their hoops game. A lot of guys. And that would be entertaining because it would also give a glimpse to some people that some of the best football players on the planet suck at basketball. It's hilarious to watch. Yeah. I Did you see what T.O. said? Uh-uh. Well, you do have to take it with the you understand who it's coming from, but because Tio desperately still wants to play in the NFL, but he said, have the current pro bowl play against past pro bowl people in football. That's what he said. Oh my now, gosh. That's a terrible idea. It's an injury fest waiting to happen, but hamstrings I mean, and Achilles popping left and right. The pro bowl games we've seen recently, but maybe if you had the current guys go up against some of the the older guys or whatever in something where they can compete and you can see some new like I guess not new but old guy I don't know that's what he said I don't it's kind of like how they used to do spring games at places it was like an alumni game I guess that's kind of the thought there but the problem is like yeah you <laughs> hell no you age out of football pretty quickly especially yeah, that's going why out there to to play you're not playing against the freshman class you're playing against the best in the nfl i i'd rather i'd rather watch these guys play golf against each other than watch them beat up <laughs> on some old dudes like uh, one, one thing i would and it's maybe just because i love family feud i i'd love to watch them the, like a family feud tournament i'd, I'd watch feud the hell out good. of that family feud is definitely good one other idea i had it'll never happen but hey the league, uh, you can get it sponsored, like a beer Olympics between the guys. Great. Oh, that'd that be so would be fun! Great like, dizzy bat relay to finish it off. Dizzy bat relay, little beer pong. Yeah, that's great. I, I don't know, but R.I.P. to the Pro Bowl seems like it's gone forever, and probably the right choice. But I'm sure the NFL will come up with something creative. On that note, episode two seventeen in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Q&A episode coming your way. We're going to answer y'all's questions. 
on Memorial Day. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Another night.